0: Guys, this is week three um, of our series called Brain Freeze. Has it been awesome so far? I've I've been teaching Launchpad and Loop the past couple weeks, so I haven't been in here for it, but I keep hearing stories from people like, man, it was such an awesome sermon. You need to go watch the video. If you haven't seen it, you still need to go watch the video of it because it's so good. Um, But we're learning how to control our thoughts. We're learning how to transform our thoughts. Um, Last week, uh, Pastor Brett spoke about managing our thoughts and our imaginations. He kind of talked along those lines for a while. And our thoughts and imaginations can be such a, such a thing that propels us towards God's purpose and God's destiny, or it could be something that pulls us away from God, depending on whether or not we're controlling our thoughts like that. Uh, he talked about how if we're going to experience change in any area of our life, we're going to have to transform it with the Word of God. That's how we transfer our thoughts. That's how we renew our mind. And with that in mind, I want to start today um, looking at Romans chapter 12. And Romans 12 and verse 2 says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. So in every area of our lives, there's this temptation to kind of do what everyone else is doing. You know, I work in a middle school, so I see it every day there. Whatever the latest social media trend is at that particular day, all the kids are trying to be unique and different by copying what everyone else is doing. It's kind of an ironic thing that they do there. But that's what kids do. But everybody's trying to be different and unique by being exactly like everybody else, by following the latest trends. But as, as believers, as Christians, we're called to stand out. Um, We're called to be a light in the darkness. We're called to be someone they can look at as a beacon of hope when things seem hopeless. That's who we're called to be as believers. Uh, For us to effectively be that light in the world around us, we have to go through some transformation. We have to allow God to change some things on the inside of us, and that's why we're doing this series. Um, It keeps on going. It says, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. So as we spend time in the word of God, as we spend time with God, there's some reformation and transformation that starts to happen on the inside of us. We start to become mold in the image and likeness of God that he created us to be to where people can see him in us everywhere we go and everything we say, everything we do. That's what God wants, that's his desire for us. Uh, we, want it, we need to start seeing ourselves as incredibly loved children of God with a purpose and a destiny to do great things, not all the junk that we've experienced in our past. That's not who we are. God has something awesome ahead of us. Uh, we need to start seeing the people around us as people that are incredibly loved by God with an awesome call and an awesome purpose too, not the junk they've done to us or the junk we've seen by spending time with them. That's not who they are. They're called to be something awesome for God. Uh, why do we need to see him and ourselves and the people around us that way? it goes on to say, it says, this will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Man, I love how the Passion Translation says that. I want that. I want to be empowered to discern God's will for my life at every single moment. Like, I want to be in a place to where I know, I know God knows everything. Like, he knows everything about us. He knows our thoughts. He knows our intentions. He knows where we're at right now. He knows all that stuff. But if he didn't, I want God to, when he goes looking for me, he can find me at the exact last place he told me to be because I'm so perfectly following his will for my life. That's what I want for me and that's what I want for everyone, everyone in here too, to live the kind of life where we transform our thinking with the word of God and we're passionately pursuing God with everything we have because man, God wants that for us. If there's any of our life where we're experiencing less than God's best, we need some transformation to happen. You know, if we're experiencing less than God's best as far as our health goes, we need some transformation to happen to where we're seeing ourselves healed and whole like God desires for us. You know, if, if, if we struggle with things like self-esteem, there's some transformation that needs to happen so that we can see ourselves as the loved children of God with a purpose and a destiny ahead of us. There's some transformation that needs to happen on the inside of us. Whatever, whatever area there is that we're not experiencing God's best, we need to expect some transformation there and pursue that because God wants us to have better than that in our lives. Um, Pastor Brett called me a couple weeks ago asking me to do this this morning, and uh, when, he, when he called me, he asked me to specifically speak about giving this morning. And when he asked me that, my response was, that sounds like fun. Um, I just didn't even think about it. That was just my response. And, and for me, giving is fun. You know, it's, it's, it's easy to talk about giving because for me to actually do it, it's fun for me to do, especially when we start to see it the way that God sees it. And uh, so this morning, we're going to talk about focusing on transforming our thoughts concerning giving. That's what we're talking about specifically this morning. I want to hit on some wrong thoughts um, that some people have about giving, some wrong thoughts that I've had about giving in the past. Um, I want to to show God's heart about giving. I want to talk about how giving demonstrates our trust for God. And I want to talk about what giving actually does for us and the ministry it does as we're doing it too. So that's what we're going to focus on this morning. Um, So let's first jump into um, our first point, which is wrong thoughts about giving. Um, If you've ever been around church for any period of time, um, you'll discover there's some wrong thinking um, about giving. And like I said, I've had these myself too. Uh, the Bible specifically addresses some of it, and some of it we can know just because we know God and know his heart and know his character. So that, that'll help us to know what's true here. So I want to start off by looking at one of, my, one of the most used giving scriptures out there in uh, 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7. It says, Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. So basically, giving is never something we're supposed to do out of a religious duty. It's, um, there are things in life that we have to do, and there are things in life that we get to do. There's a difference there. There's a difference in the attitude that we do it with. Um, you know, I, I've already said I teach in middle school. I'm a seventh grade teacher, so if any of you guys have ever spent any significant time around a seventh grader, um, know that I need you all to pray for me on a daily basis because Every day, you know, they're, they're going to test you in some way, shape, or form. But, you know, when you're testing middle school kids, when you're teaching middle school kids, um, you can be the most dynamic speaker. You can have the most engaging lesson. You can be doing things that just seem like this is going to be awesome. They're going to love this. It's going to be engaging to them. And then you'll look at them, and they'll say, I'm bored. Or they'll look at you and say, why do I have to know this? Or they'll look at you and say, this is dumb. You know, you can have the most amazing thing, and that's their response to that. And usually my response is I'll try to find out what their plans are for the future and I'll show them how this connects to you know what they're wanting to do later on in life and I'll try to do that for them. And there's sometimes they'll still say, well, this is dumb. I don't want to have to learn this. And then finally, at the end of all that, I try my best and finally say, well, sometimes we just have to do things we don't want to do. You know, that's just that's just life. You know, sometimes we have to do those things. Uh, But giving isn't a have to kind of thing. Giving is a get-to kind of thing. It's a privilege, it's an honor, it's something we get to do. And we can see that clearly when we keep reading. It says, let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves hilarious generosity. There's a joy that comes from giving for the right reasons. There's a joy that comes along with it. And we'll talk about this more in a minute, but we're going to see there's a joy with it because God's a joyous giver too. And we're going to look at him here in just a moment. Um, Let's read that same scripture from the message just to really make the point here. Um, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7 in the message, he said, I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you'll give. That'll protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. Sob stories and arm twisting should never be motivation for giving. Every time I read this scripture, and I'm dating myself a little bit here because I don't think they do it anymore, but do you remember those uh, those APSCA or whatever, ASPCA, there we go, ASPCA uh, commercials that used to have Sarah McLaughlin singing the angel song and you had that little dog with the sad eyes like shaking, looking up at the camera there. Do y'all remember those? Yeah, that's what I think of when I, when I, when I read the scriptures. It, basically, they're trying to, a sob story and trying to twist your arm in the giving. And that should never be our motivation for giving. My, my dad actually used to have a dog. She was a little black lab um, years ago. Uh, her name was Katie. And uh, Katie, I'm convinced, when she was home by herself during the days, I think she would watch these commercials on TV. Um, because if you were eating food of any kind that she wanted, she would mimic that look. She'd come right up in front of you and you know just the ears would drop down to her head and she'd look up with you, those big eyes, and, and just start shaking there, especially if you had popcorn, man. That was her thing. If you had popcorn, you were you were in for a show. She was gonna she was gonna put on the, you know, she was gonna get those tears coming. And, but anyways, don't, don't get me wrong, as Christians, we're supposed to be compassionate people. That's who we're called to be, because Jesus was very compassionate too. Um, but we're not supposed to be manipulated into giving. We're supposed to be wise, we're supposed to be Holy Spirit led as far as how we give. So any, anytime you're not sure, should I do this or should I do this, ask God, he'll tell you, he'll show you, he'll give you wisdom about that because um, he wants to do that. And I'll add to that too, if you, ever, if you ever give and then you look back and recognize that, man, I was manipulated into doing that. I believe that God still honors that if our heart was in the right place. So don't get discouraged about that. God's still gonna honor that and bless that too because that's just who he is. He knows, he knows our heart, he knows where we're at. So let's look at um, another scripture that I think kind of addresses another point of confusion sometimes about giving. Um, in Malachi 3, um, we see basically where the Israelites um, weren't doing what God told them to do. He had specifically told them, you need to give these tithes and give these offerings. And um, they weren't doing it. They were being disobedient to what God told them. And we see God's response. And for a lot of believers, including myself, when I was younger, it scared me a little. I was like, man, am I doing this right now? So let's read that scripture and then I'll talk about this in just a second. So in Malachi 3 and verse 8, it says, will a mere mortal rob God? Man, that's harsh language right there, isn't it? He says, yet you rob me, but you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. And then he says, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Man, that's harsh language right there. Just imagine God coming up to you and saying, man, you're robbing me right now. And then he says, you're under a curse too. And when I was younger, I gave out of fear a lot of times, um, fear that God was going to get me. Um, and cause my life to fall apart if I didn't give exactly what, what, he, what he wanted me to give at that moment. I was, I was in fear that God was going to put this on me because of my own actions like that. Now, though, I know the heart and the character of God, and I can, I can feel it being tense in here right now because, like, what in the world is he going to say next? Don't worry. It's going to be good. Uh, so so knowing, knowing the heart and character of God uh, like I do, I don't believe that's what's happening here. Um, because of what Adam and Eve did, there was a curse in the earth. There is a curse in the earth because of what they did. They, they sinned and made a mistake and did what they weren't supposed to do and allowed um, the devil to come do what he did. Um, but when Jesus came, it says that he redeemed us from the curse. That's part of what Jesus did for us. Now, there was a curse in the earth and Jesus redeemed us from the curse, but it's our choice which we participate in. So basically, let me... Let me whether we're gonna live in the freedom that Jesus, that Jesus provided for us or whether we're gonna live in the world system and be obedient to whatever those rules are. Let me show you what I'm talking about here. This is gonna make sense and you're gonna like, oh man, that makes sense. In Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, it says, today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. And then he says, oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. So basically God's saying we can choose to follow him, we can choose to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit, or we can just make that decision that I'm gonna do, th- do things my way, it's our choice. So when we, when we choose not to follow God, it's not that he's putting a curse on us, it's that we're choosing not to do things his way, so we automatically default to this system over here. We're automatically doing th- things the world's way when we're not following after God. It's not he's putting a curse on us, we're choosing to walk in the curse. Does that make sense? Does that make it a little clear? I, I could feel the tenseness in the rooms there, so I wanted to make sure we address that. So when we get God actively involved in an area of our lives, like giving, basically, and and we allow his word to transform us, we start to experience the benefits that come from pursuing that aspect of our life. And that's what God's trying to say in there. He's saying, he's not saying, hey, I'm putting this curse on you. He's saying, hey, I got this better way over here. If you'll just do what I tell you to do and give what I tell you to give and follow the path that I have for you, your life's going to be better. You're not going to be subject to all the mess that happens over here. And he's trying to help us out with that. Um, so giving is something we get to do. Remember, giving is something we get to do. We get to have joy about it. Um, it's never something that we have to do. It's a get-to-do kind of thing. Um, we also need to give because God loves giving. Man, it's part of who he is. He's a giving God. We serve an extravagantly generous God who loves to give. And he re- actually says he gives with reckless abandon. Let's see this, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, nine in the message. I love how this says this. It says, as one psalmist puts it, he throws caution to the winds, giving to the needy and reckless abandon. Man, talking about reckless, I love that, that, that mental image there. He said his right living, right giving ways never run out and never wear out. I love how descriptive that is, throwing caution to the wind and giving to the needy with reckless abandon. When I read that, it actually made me think of the night that Jesus was sitting with his disciples around the table, and he basically tells them that somebody's going to betray him. He said that one of his disciples is going to betray him. He said, how in the world does that make you think of that? Well, if you recall, basically, he, they're sitting there eating, and he just says, one of you guys here is going to, be betray, going to betray me. And then he says, whoever I dip this bread in the bowl here, and whoever I give it to, he said, that's the person that's going to betray me. So he dips it in the bowl, and then he, then he passes it off and gives it to Judas. And then after he gives it to Judas, he leans over and says, go do what you're going to do. That's basically what he says. And Judas gets up and runs out of there. And when the other disciples see him running, because Judas was the treasurer, he kept up with the money for Jesus and his ministry there, their first reaction was, Judas is going to give money to the poor. Why would they think that the first, as soon as Judas ran in the room, why would they think their first reaction, their first thought was that he was going to give money to the poor? Um, that tells me that Jesus told him to give money all the time. Like the moment Judas walked out, they just assumed Jesus is telling him to go give money to somebody again. That was their first reaction, that was their first thought, because Jesus was a giver. They just automatically assumed everywhere they went that Jesus was giving to somebody to be a blessing to somebody because that's part of who he was. Why did Jesus do that? Well, he says that I do everything I do because I see the Father do it. Jesus was a giver because he saw God the Father as a giver. And he mimicked that in his ministry on the earth And he was a giver, which means if he's a giver, we should be a giver too. Um, just imagine having that having that kind of reputation that Jesus had where like literally every time you reach for your wallet, someone assumes you're getting ready to be a blessing to somebody. That's, that, that was Jesus. That's what his disciples thought about him because every time he spoke to Judas, somebody was getting blessed. And that's a pretty cool reputation to have. Maybe, uh, maybe us as believers should have that too. What do you think? So we see his generous nature even more in our Romans chapter 8. So verse 31, it starts off. It said, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? And then in verse 32, it says, since he did not even spare his own son but gave him up for us all, Won't he also give us everything else too? So he didn't hold anything back from us. God did not hold anything back. He's a generous God. He gave the best he could give when he gave Jesus. He gave the best he had and he continues to be generous towards us now. I've already said it, but we're created in his image and his likeness. That's part of who we are. If we're created in his image image and likeness and he's a giver, that means we're created to be givers too. It's part of who we are. It's built into us because we're believers. Uh, Giving, this is my third point, giving demonstrates our trust for God. Giving giving demonstrates trust. Um, We have to choose who or what we're going to put our trust in. As believers, that's a choice we have to make every day. We have to come to a decision. Um, Are our finances and possessions our source, or is God our source? That's a choice we get to make every single day. Who or what are we going to believe in? Who or what are we going to trust? In this next set of scriptures, I really want to focus on the middle verse here. It's in Proverbs uh, 18, 18. And verse 11 is kind of sandwiched in there between 10 and 12, but I really want to focus on verse 11 because it's so important to what we're discussing today. Uh, So Proverbs 18 and verse 10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. That's God's way right there. He's our source for everything we need in life. That's his desire. He wants to be in that position no matter what situation, no matter what circumstance presents itself. He wants us to come to him and not try to figure this out on our own. He wants, him, he wants to be our source in every area. And when we do that, we know that we're gonna come through every situation, no matter what it is, victoriously. We're gonna be a victorious overcomer in that situation because he's our source, and it's not dependent on what we can do or our abilities. And that's how I wanna live my life. I don't wanna go through life based off what I can do. I wanna go through my life based on what he can do through me. Uh, we run to him because we trust him, and we know that he's gonna sustain us through whatever life happens to throw away. That's his way. Now let's look at the world's way. In verse 11, it says, the rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. Then it says, haughtiness goes before destruction. Humility precedes honor. Remember what I talked about earlier? Thanks to what Jesus did, we get a choice. Like we get to choose either life or death. We get to choose blessing or cursing. It's a choice that we have. Um, Whether we have money or not, we get to choose if our trust is in that money or if our trust is in God this is the choice we get to make on a daily basis. We get to choose if we're going to view our job or the government as our source, or if we're going to view God as our source. Don't get me wrong. Jobs can be a great provider. That's part of what we're called to do. We're called to work, but it's not our source. What's the difference? What's the difference between those? If your job is your provider, what happens if your company downsizes? What happens if your position gets eliminated? If your job is your only source, your only provider, you're out of luck right there. It's gonna be really difficult for you for a little while until you figure something else out. If the government, if the government's your provider, let's say, let's say that all of a sudden something horrible happens and, and they go, they default and all of a sudden money's worthless now. Like the money in the bank, the money you have in your wallet, all of a sudden that's worthless. What are you gonna do then? If the government's your provider, it's subject to fail just like just like your job can fail. But if God's our provider, if our trust is in him, it doesn't matter what happens to the job, it doesn't matter what happens to the government, it doesn't matter what happens in our investments we're gonna be taken care of because he's our source and he's our provider. And we can trust in him on that. And the Bible is full of miraculous examples of God taking care of his people through really difficult times. I mean, in the middle of a drought and a famine, uh, he provided like oil oil and, uh, and flour to people that never ran out until the famine was over with. Uh, we have an example with, uh, with the prophet out there and he actually sent a bird every day with food. The bird was picking up food somewhere and bringing him food every single day while he's out there by the river. Um, we have examples of uh, what the Israelites basically wake up every morning and there's manna on the ground. There's food and provision just laying on the ground where you just have to go get what you need for that day. He's a supernatural provider, and I would much rather put my trust in him than any job, than any government, than any investment, than anything. I'm going to put my trust in him, and then he's going to give me wisdom to make those things prosper. And that's part of what he wants us to do when we put our trust in him. Proverbs 11 and verse 28 says, Trust in your money, and down you go. And that's really encouraging right there. That's just like the, the video we played where it hits the brain and then drops, and down you go. Uh, money is a resource, it's a tool. We use it to take care of our needs. We use it to show people God's love. We use it to go have fun too, um, but we don't trust in money as our source. That's not what we're putting our trust in. It says, but the godly flourish like leaves in spring. And have you ever spent any time outside in the, in the spring? Man, I, this past year especially, I've done so much hiking. I've, I've got to see every season out there in the woods, and the, and it's just, it's just beautiful in the spring because everything is just like blowing up with life. You know, you see so much new life. You see so much abundance. It's just a, a beautiful time to be out there, and uh, it's a season of new life. It's a season of new abundance, and when we trust in God and we follow his leading um, in every area of our lives, we get to live in that season of new life and that new season of abundance too. He wants us to live in that place as children of God, as, as believers, as people who are pursuing him. He wants us to live in that place where we experience new life and abundance everywhere that we go. Uh, he wants us to, to live in a place where we're experiencing God moments and God opportunities on a very regular basis because he just loves setting us up like that because we're his kids and he loves us. In case you're still not sure, let's look at one more. You know, Psalm 20 and verse seven. It says, some nations boast of their chariots and horses, but we boast in the name of the Lord our God. Verse eight says, those nations will fall down and collapse, but we will rise up and stand firm. And that's encouraging right there, isn't it? Trusting in what we can accomplish on our own with our own resources will always leave us vulnerable for collapse. There's always that potential there. But when we put our hope and we put our trust and we put our confidence in God, we rise up and stand firm no matter what life throws at us. And that's something to be encouraged about. Our confident, confidence is not in what we do or don't have. Our confidence is not in what our bank account shows right now. Our confidence is not in finances or possessions or investments. Our confidence is in God who's our provider. That's where our confidence rests. Um, I, st- I told this story several years ago, and I haven't told it since then, even though it was a really fun story. Uh, but God reminded me of this, and I need to, I need to tell it again. So um, there's a cat who lives at my house. If you were here a few years ago, you'll probably remember where I'm going with this. Um, she's actually a cat that my sister left there many years ago, and uh, she was actually pre in her previous life, she was a research cat. So she basically belonged to a research facility um, who did some kind of research on her. And uh, I, when I picture this in my head, I just imagine it was like a cosmetic cosmetic type company, and I just imagine them like putting lipstick on the cat every day. I don't know. That's just in my mind. That's where I go with that. So. But anyways, ever since my sister rescued this cat from this place, um, she's an outside cat and just loves being outside. That's, that's her domain now. And um, for a while there, she doesn't do it so much anymore, but for a while there when she was younger, because she's getting on up there in years now, um, she would kill animals constantly, like whether it was mice or moles or little rabbits or birds or whatever. Almost every morning you'd walk out and there'd be a new dead animal laying right there on the stoop as you walked out there. Almost every, almost every day there'd be something dead there. She would never eat it, She'd just kill it and lay it on the altar there as an offering you know, to the people that brought her food every day. And um, I was thinking about that one day as, I, was, as I, was actually, I think I was driving to work or something. And I was like, God, why in the world does she do that? You know, why does she just kill stuff just to leave it there? And it, basically his response was funny. He said that she is, she is so confident And her provider, she's so confident that she's going to have food twice a day, every day sit out there for and water sit out there for that she freely gives the best that she has because she knows that her provider is going to take care of her. And that's how we need to be too, where we're so confident in who our provider is. God is our source. God is our provider that we have no problem giving our best every time he asks us to or even when he doesn't ask us to um, just because we're confident that even as I give this, he's going to provide for me and he's going to take care of me no matter what. And that's something we need, we need to have a confidence about, that he is our provider. When we trust God that to that level, giving's easy because I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not losing anything. I'm just a steward giving what God tells me to give here. I'm just a conduit where he gives it to me and I give it to where he tells me to give it to. That takes the pressure off of me at that point because it's not dependent on my abilities or what I can come up with or what I can do. I just have to depend on God and what he can do. And what he can do is so much far beyond whatever I could do on my own. There, I'm so I'd much rather do live life that way. So no matter what he tells us to give, we have confidence that our provider is going to make sure that we're taken care of, and we have that extra for every good work, that abundance that he desires for us to have. So, to lead into point number four here, giving opens the door to God's best, to God's best in our lives. Uh, For the rest of the time we have left, we're going to focus on what giving, uh, partially what it does for our lives, but also the ministry that giving accomplishes too. I want to focus on that for a bit. Um, So I want to start looking in the book of Proverbs. So uh, Proverbs 11 and verse 24 starts off by saying, give freely. Uh, Right away, that sounds like the scripture we read earlier where it talked about giving with reckless abandon. Giving freely goes hand in hand with that. Um, Apart from God, giving that way doesn't make any sense. Like in the world system, in the natural system, giving freely makes absolutely zero sense at all. But in God's system, he set it up that way, where we give freely, and it says, and become more wealthy. So as we give freely, we become more wealthy. No, if I, if I wanted to set up a meeting um, with some of the top financial experts in our country, and I said, okay, I had this plan that's gonna guarantee you get wealthy. I have this plan that's gonna make sure that your your client's needs are met, and I have this plan that's gonna make sure that they have this extra where they can just do amazing things for the kingdom of God. And they're like, okay, what's your plan? I said, my plan is that we need to give freely and get wealthy. I guarantee you those financial experts would not be a fan of my advice. I guarantee you they would probably, under their breath, would say some words about me that we can't repeat in church here. Now, I guarantee you they'd probably say something like that because that totally goes against the world system that we're going to give freely and become more wealthy there. Um, they'd recommend ways to save and invest, um, but unless there's a tax write-off associated with the giving, they're not going to recommend giving freely because that's, that makes no sense to do that. But in God's system, he says, give freely and become more wealthy. Then it goes on to say, it says, be stingy and lose everything. It says, the generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. God wants to bless you so much so that you can be a continual blessing yourself too. God wants to do that. He wants to use you. And the cool part is that we, we get to live that, when we live that life as a giver, it says there, we get it refreshed ourselves. There's a refreshing that comes with that. That means that we can live in a place of prosperity without all the stress and worry and anxiety that plagues so many people who are in that place. We can live free from that because God refreshes us as we follow him and pursue him in that area. Um, we already read 2 Corinthians 9. But I wanna go back there. Uh, We read verses seven and nine earlier, but I wanna go back and read a little bit more. And I'm actually gonna start in verse eight. Verse eight says, yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace. I love that right there. So that you will have more than enough of everything, every moment and in every way. He will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. God empowers us to do things. God's grace empowers us to do things that we can't do apart from him. He makes us better than we are on our own. That's part of what he does. He gives us that anointing to do that. God wants to overwhelm and overflow us with provision and abundance. That's part of what he wants for us as believers. Every moment in every way. He wants to increase our capacity to make an impact on the world around us. He wants to increase what we can do so that we can make a bigger difference to demonstrate his love and his goodness to the world around us. He wants to do that for us as believers. Uh, Verse nine goes on to say, just as the scriptures say about the one who trusts in him, there's that trusting in God thing again. We're called to trust in him in every area of our lives. Trusting, and, trusting God and giving will forever be intertwined. They're connected to each other. So what does the word say about those who trust in God? It says, because he has sown extravagantly and given to the poor, his kindness and generous deeds will never be forgotten. You know, we're, we're legacy church here. We're all about leaving a legacy, that's part of who we are. And leaving a legacy means you're making an impact that goes way beyond just you. It's literally like generations down the road, The way you live your life now and the things that you did are continuing to impact others. Uh, As a a church, as Legacy Church here, um, we invest heavily in our young people, in our young kids, our youth, our our young adults. We invest heavily in those ages. Why do we do that? It's because we're attaching our giving to one of our core values, which is children are our legacy. That's one of our core values as a church. And we, we attach our giving to that because that's important to us. It's important as a church that we're leaving a legacy that's going to last for generations and generations and generations. The the reason we built an indoor playground, which is right there on the edge of being completely finished, is because of the fact that we believe in our children and we we want to leave a legacy that's going to last for generations and generations and generations. If you want to be remembered, if you want to make an impact on the world that lasts far beyond you, the way we do that is live a kind and generous life. That's what the scripture said there. God will give you the resources to accomplish more for him than you ever dreamed you could do on your own. God wants to do that through you. In verse 10, it goes on. It says, this generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals, is even more extravagant towards you. We already talked about this, but God is a generous God. He's such a generous God. He's already given you his best, so why would he he not give you everything you need to accomplish what he has for you to do here? He, He wants to give you everything you need in abundance so you can walk out the plan that he has for you. He loves us, and he desires to be extravagant towards us. Just like any good, loving father does, he wants to be extravagant towards us. And I love how this next part words it in the Passion Translation. He says, first, he supplies every seed plus more, and then he multiplies the seed as you sow it, so that the harvest of your generosity will grow. So when we live this life of a giver, the first thing he does is make sure that our needs are met and taken care of. And then right along with that, it says he multiplies our giving as we give it. Like literally the moment that we're dropping our money in the offering bucket or hitting that button on the app, or on the, on the website to give, he's multiplying at the moment that you do that. He's already getting involved in our finances and causing change and transformation to happen the moment that we do it, because that's just who he is. He's a multiplying God, so that we can be even more generous next time, so that our ability to help and impact the world around us just continuously grows far beyond what we, ever, we, we could ever do on our own there. He wants that for us. Um, verse 11 goes on to say, he said, you'll be abundantly enriched in every way as you give generously on every occasion. For when we take your gifts to those in need, it causes many to give thanks to God. So God wants us to be enriched to the point that we're given generously on every occasion. That's his heart. That's his plan. That's his desire for us. Remember, Jesus modeled that for us. We already talked about it. Like every time the disciples saw Judas run, well, Jesus is given to somebody again. That was their reaction. He modeled what that looks like for us. And we're called to have that same kind of reputation where when people get around us, they're just, I wonder who he's going to bless today. I wonder what they're gonna do for someone today, because everywhere, because every time I see them, they're a blessing to somebody. That should be our reputation. And if we'll allow the Holy Spirit to lead and direct our giving, it'll be used in a way that'll cause people to pull their attention off of their circumstances and put their attention on God. Just um, about a week and a half ago, I won't give specifics on the story, but um, many years ago, this has been almost 20 years ago now, um, somebody actually gave me a gift. Somebody used to go to this church 20 years ago And they've since passed on and they're in heaven now, but they gave me this gift. Um, It meant a lot to me because I saw how much it meant to them. You know, it wasn't like financially, it wasn't like this super expensive thing, but because I could tell it meant so much to them, it meant a lot to me. And um, where I work at now at the middle school, I actually work with one of their family members. And uh, last week one day, I was actually praying for them. And you're supposed to pray for your coworkers. Did you know that? Did you know that God will really create some awesome opportunities for you when you pray pray, pray for your coworkers? Anyways, side thought there. Anyway, so I was, I was actually praying for her one afternoon last week and um, God reminded me of this thing which I've had in storage um, for probably 10 years. I don't, think I've, I don't think I've touched that thing in 10 years and thankfully it was exactly where I thought it was. And God told me, he said, I want you to get that and I want you to give it to her and this is what I want you to tell, tell her as I do that. And, and basically he gave me a word for it to encourage her with and, and so I found it was really cool because I actually came out of my classroom, had, had it in my pocket there and I went looking for her and as, as I went walking down the hallway, she came out looking for me. It was just like one of those God moments that like, you know, he was setting us up there. And I said, how are you? And needed some prayer about some things. I said, let's step in the side room here and let's pray about some things. And before we ever prayed, I was able to give that and basically say what God said. And it just like caused an immediate like, hey, God knows what I'm going through kind of moment there. And that's what God. That's part of what God wants to use our giving for is our giving is basically a tool that can help connect people with God. Our giving can be can be used in a way that shows them, hey, God really cares about me. God really knows that I'm here. God knows what I'm going through um, before I tell anyone else about it. It can be a tool like that. That's how God wants to use it through us. If we'll allow the Holy Spirit to lead and direct our giving like that, it'll be used in a way that'll cause people to pull their attention off whatever junk they're going through and put their attention on God and thank and praise God like the scripture said there. That's part of what our giving can do for us. That's why I love giving my tithes and offerings here. I talk about this a lot when I'm up here, but I love giving my tithes and offerings because I know that when I do that, I'm supporting the ministry that's ministering to all you guys every single week. I love that. I've seen so many stories and testimonies in this room of people who have been healed and set free and delivered and, and saved and um, miracles happening in families. And I know that because of my giving my tithes and my offerings and supporting this ministry, I'm a part of that whether I'm actually in here or not. Even if I'm up there doing kids' ministry, I'm still a part of what happens here every week because I give towards supporting that. That's why our tithes and offerings are so important there. They help fund this ministry which helps connect people with their God-given destiny. And that's something that I get excited about every day when I think about that. As we'll see in the next verse, giving is actually a ministry all on its own. In verse 12, it said, the priestly ministry you are providing through your offering. So we, we take part in a priestly ministry when we do this. Not only supplies what's lacking for God's people, it inspires an outpouring of praises and thanksgiving to God himself. Our giving is a priestly ministry. So just in, just in case nobody's told you this, Patrick actually talked about it earlier, but you're, you're called to the ministry. Every single person in this room, you're called to the ministry. And, and like he said, you may not be called to actually stand up here with a microphone and talk in front of people, or maybe you are. Who knows? But every single one of us, regardless of what else we're called to do, we're called to participate in this ministry of giving because it is a ministry. Um, and once again, notice that our giving has the ability to cause people to praise and thank God. It's always connected right there. Just think of how many people, if, you, if you've been a giver or a tither here, think of how many people have set their attention and focus on God here through the years and they, that opportunity was created because of your giving. You're a part of that ministry. You're a part of lives changing right there. So let me, as, as we start to wrap up here, uh, let me just say something to, to kind of lead us in that direction. Um, here at Legacy Church, whether you give or whether you don't, we love you. You're a loved, valuable, precious person here, and we love having you here. If you never give a penny in the offering a single day in your life, we love you anyways. That's not like we don't have to work it up and try. Like We're just going to love you because that's who we are. We love you like God does. Um, other than the accountant, in fact, other than the accountant who prints off our yearly statements, we don't know what you give anyways. Like there's none of us, we don't like gather around the offering every week. Okay, what did, what did Miss Becky give today? Well, she's not getting a happy, you know, a good morning on next Sunday because she didn't give what she was supposed to, you know. We don't sit around and do that. We don't even look at it. The accountant looks at it, and that's pretty much it. Um, but I can tell you that as you continue to pursue God in his heart, you'll find more and more that he's going to lead you to give towards things that fund the kingdom of God. He's going to lead you towards giving towards things that help, demonstrate his love and his goodness to the world around him. He's going to lead you to do that. And as you do, you're positioning yourself to live in this place over here. You're positioning yourself to live in this place of blessing to where basically not only do you have your needs met, but you have that abundance where God can use you to be a blessing to the people around you, to the world around you. God wants to use you that way. Um, If you're still unsure about the whole giving thing, that's why we're talking about this. This is a series on transforming your mind. We're trying to transform your thinking around giving. And I just encourage you to go back and look at these scriptures again, meditate on them. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak about you and let him unlock some things on the inside of you because God's a giving God and he created us to be a giving people. Um, If you'll do that, um, you're gonna experience transformation um, in your finances and you're gonna experience transformation in how God's able to partner with you to advance his kingdom here on the earth because we're all called to get together with God and accomplish this thing together. And the more that you pursue this, the more that you make this a part of your life, the more he can use you to make a difference in the world around you. Man, that's what I want. I just want to be used by God every single day. And this is one of the many ways that he can do that. So I'm gonna ask everyone, um, before we wrap up, to go ahead and just bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment here. Um, I talked about this earlier, but God's already given the best that he had um, because he loved you so much. he He gave Jesus as a sacrifice. That was who was most precious to him. Uh, But he didn't consider Jesus more valuable than you, which is why he sent Jesus to us. Um, He gave Jesus to pay the price for your sin and so that you could have a life-changing transformation kind of relationship with him now and throughout eternity. That's what God wants for you. All that he asks is that you give him your heart and accept the awesome sacrifice that Jesus made. That's all he wants from you. Miss Libby gave us a call earlier that, as, as God gave her that word to come pursue God and give your life to God. And man, that's what this is about right now. If you've never made that decision where God, I, I'm gonna accept that sacrifice you made for me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna experience this life-changing moment. I'm gonna receive what you've done for me. If you've never done that before, but you'd like to make that decision now, I'd like you to raise your hand just so I can pray with you. I'm not gonna embarrass you or call you out. I just wanna know that you're, hey, I'm committing my life to Jesus. I'm, I'm giving my heart to Jesus right now and I'm committing to live for him. I'm looking around the room here. It's kind of hard to see because of the lights. But if that's you, if, if you want to make that decision to live for God, I, I do see that hand. Um, I, w- I want to be able to pray with you in just a moment. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? I don't want to leave you out because this is important. I see that hand too. This is the uh, this is this is why we do what we do. Now, heaven's rejoicing right now at people who are making this decision that I'm I'm going to live for God. So, All right, y'all keep your heads bowed, eyes closed, just a moment longer. Uh, maybe you're already a believer. Uh, but maybe you're in a place where you've allowed sin to stay in your life. You know, whether that's something, God's dealt with you about something, but you just continue to do it anyways. Or maybe there's something that you know you're supposed to be doing, but you haven't been doing what, he, what you know he's already talked to you about. Uh, God loves us so much that he made forgiveness and restoration available for us too, um, even after we've accepted Jesus. 1 John 1:9 9 uh, tells us that if we confess our sin to God, that he's faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from all wickedness. That's what he wants to do for us. Um, So if you're in here today, you can say, I am a believer, um, but I got some things in my life that are messed up right now. And I'm ready to come to God, and I'm ready to receive that forgiveness and restoration that he has for me today, where I can walk out of here without that weight on me anymore. If that's you, if you'd raise your hand right now, I'd love to pray with you too. So you can leave here totally free uh, from that mess that's been holding you back. And I do see a few hands popping up in here. A lot of people excited um, to respond to this because this is, man, this is God's heart too. He wants you to leave leave here totally free from whatever you walked in here with. Jesus paid for you to have it. So, all right, I see a few hands popping up. Y'all gonna put your hands down. We're gonna pray a prayer together here. Um, I'm gonna ask that y'all pray this after me. We're just gonna do exactly what we said here. We're gonna talk to God. We're gonna leave this sin at him. He paid the price for it, so we're just gonna give it to him, and he's gonna do what he said he would do. He's gonna forgive us and cleanse us, and we're gonna leave out of here like brand new people today. So, out of respect to those who are praying, let's all pray this together right now. So, Father, thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price for my sin. I receive that forgiveness, that cleansing, and that restoration today. And I leave here completely changed and transformed into who you called me to be. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about Legacy Church and other resources, visit us online at legacyfamily.info.